Lord, we just rejoice in the wonder of Your light. And it's not just light from You. You are the light of the world. It is You. It is You, the One that is full of wonder and glory, of truth and of majesty. You're the One who helps us to to see You, God. And we, You are the One who helps us to see ourselves, the ones in need. And Lord, You came to meet that need. And You did so in the most loving way possible. You came and dwelt among us and lived a sinless life and died in our place, took upon Yourself, meeting the need that we needed. The sin problem was met in Jesus. And in that, we just worship. We sit here in awe and wonder at who You are and what You've done. And Lord, as we look at Your Word this morning, may our awe and wonder only grow. May those who may have never seen it, never seen You for who You really are, come to You and be saved this day, that they might respond to the light of the world. And may all of us draw near to the light. May You help us to continue to grow that you might be glorified in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What a sweet time of fellowship and and worship we've had this morning. And I look forward to a sweet time in the Word with some familiar passages this morning. I want to begin in John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse 12. And be ready to turn because we're going to be going back to John chapter 1. And I'd like to read those scriptures. First of all, John 8, 12. And then we'll go back to John chapter 1 and read a few verses there. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And now back to John 1. John 1, verses 4 and 5 and then 9 through 12. I love the sound of rustling papers and, and that little, the little sound of your finger swiping across your phone to get back to the... And in John 1, 4 to 5, it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And verses 9 through 12 say, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. In other words, He pre-existed the world. Yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, but His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. As many of you know, we are in a season we call Advent. As a kid, I had no idea what that meant. I don't remember it being used very often, frankly, as a kid. And and yet, it's a great word. The the word means the arrival of of some important person, some important event, or some important thing. And there is no more important thing than the arrival of Jesus Christ on the scene. Right? So that's what Advent means. Literally, it, it means coming. Right? It's the coming of Christ. We here at Christmas remember the first coming of Christ. Specifically the arrival of Jesus Christ. And, and one of the ways we celebrate 
His coming is through light, in case you hadn't noticed. Right? Many of you have decorated your home with light. Maybe you have a, 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 a sort of a tradition, like our family. Every Christmas, we would load up the kids in, their, in the car with their pajamas on and get some hot chocolate, and we'd drive off somewhere, usually down to Reynolds when they had the lights down there in Fishers. We'd drive down along with hundreds of other people and go look at the lights, right? We celebrate using light. We decorate our homes, our streets, our buildings, and trees with billions of lights, And I can say billions because more than 150 light sets are sold in the U.S. each year. They last about a year, so that makes sense. But there's 150 million sets. In December, 6% of the utilities are given to Christmas lights. That's crazy. That's crazy. I particularly enjoy light in terms of art, in terms of paintings, And puzzles. Have you noticed that Christmas puzzles have this way of drawing you in using light? I love artists who are gifted at using light. Uh, Terry Redlin, he sort of paints outdoor scenes. And he paints cabins, you know, out in the woods. And he always paints the cabins in such a way that the light in the cabin makes you want to go, man, I just just want to go up to the door and, and go in. It seems inviting and welcoming. The the Christmas village pieces that a few of you have some of, right? Maybe you have a lot of them. Those little Christmas villages use light to invite you in. But light's more than just warm and welcoming. Light is a symbol. It's a universal symbol. We call it an archetype. It's one that crosses linguistic and cultural boundaries. it, It stands as a symbol for truth, as a symbol for wisdom. And here in the book of John, we see John loves this, this symbol of light. But it's not just a symbol. It is the very essence of who Jesus is. We, in fact, the incarnation of Jesus, his birth and his life were the sunrise of salvation of mankind. It was the, it was the moment that it, we'd all been waiting for. I don't know that we were, but mankind was. That moment of dawn, right? In the Old Testament, which was read a little bit ago, in Isaiah 9-2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has come. Zechariah, in the book of Luke, he, he prophesied at the birth of his son, John the Baptist. And this is what he said of his son John, and the one for which John would, would announce. He said, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. John was to announce the arrival of Jesus in terms of his ministry, right? He baptized Jesus. And that, that announcement was sunrise. Now, you see more pictures of sunset, right? Beautiful sunsets. And there's a reason for that. More people are awake for it. 
right? Now, this time of year, we're all, we generally are awake, because doesn't sunrise come around noon right now? And sunset around three or so, I think it's about when it is. But nonetheless, sunrise is a beautiful thing. I've seen many a beautiful sunrise as I sat in a cold duck blind looking out, and it was just a marvelous thing. There was a calmness and a beauty of something beginning, right? The sun was just about to poke over the, the, the sky. The, the, the clouds would be beautiful. But it really was a promise of what was to come after the cold night. You see, Jesus' birth brought light that enabled men and women to see, to discern, to believe what they saw regarding sin and the Son, the Son of God, who came to take away the sin of the world. It brought the light of knowledge of true knowledge, not knowledge that, that we think we know based on who we are and our life experiences, but, but reality that came from eternity past to eternity future, the real truth, if you will, that enabled us to see our reality and to save us from the evils of our own ignorance and our own sin. In John 8.12, we read that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. This morning, we want to spend some time talking about Jesus as the light of the world. What does that mean? Why is it important? And how can it change our lives? Those three things are what we want to look at this morning. First of all, we want to look at the reality that the essence of the light is the person of Jesus Christ. And ask the question, why is this so significant? Why is this so important? You see, the source of the light tells us something about the light. But in this case, Jesus is not saying that he's merely the source of the light. He is the light. He is the thing to, he is the one who reveals what is to be seen. And he is the one to be seen. Does that make sense? In other words, it's not just knowledge. He is the one who is letting us see it. He is shining the light on it. He is the revealer. And he is the one being revealed. So if I hold a flashlight, I shine it on something, but the flashlight is giving off the light and it's not showing me itself. It's pointing at something else. In Jesus Christ, he's not pointing at someone else. He is pointing, if you will, at the Trinity. If you want to say he's pointing at anything, he's revealing himself. And in revealing himself, he's letting you see who God is. That is true knowledge. You see, Jesus Christ is the source of light, and He is the light. And that's significant because He's much more than just light. John 1, 4, that we also read, it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world, we read in verse 9. This word translated true, or true light, speaks of reality. You may see and experience many things. And what you see and experience in the same setting as I may be very different. You may see it a different way. You may experience it a different way. And we're both in the same moment, right? Yet in Christ, he is revealing the true light. What you see is the ultimate reality. He reveals Everything, both the eternal and the temporal, for what they are. 
You will see the eternal for what it is in Jesus Christ. And in the light of His glorious beauty and eternality, you'll see this life for what it is. This life will be seen increasingly small as He grows increasingly clearer in our hearts and minds. And at the Christmas season, that, isn't that our prayer? Is that we need this reminder. Like, why can't we do Christmas once and it's all good? He was born once, right? Well, we do it because we're good forgetters, right? We need this reminder to be exposed to the light and the reality of who Jesus Christ is that we might be drawn into. In fact, we need it more than once a year. We gather once a week just to celebrate this one, right? We need that reminder. Jesus is the true light. His life matched His claims. He was the Creator. The eternal knower, if you will. He was the eternal revealer. He is wisdom and glory of God with flesh on. Is a way that we can see it. He was the visible, true Word. You don't see things without light. And again, what is the light revealing? It's a revealing Him. Additionally, another way to think of this too is He is the true light as opposed to the lesser or deceptive light. You can do all kinds of things with light. We can, I mean, we watch movies that all they are really is, is recording, you think, of something that happened, but did it really happen? And now we're talking about AI with deep fakes, right? They can actually take your beautiful or handsome face and record some of you, and they can make it look as though you are saying something you have never said. It's kind of scary. But Satan is the ultimate deceiver. He was described as an angel of light, right? He wants you to see what will be attractive to you, that will be winsome to you, that will draw you in, but he will not deliver on the thing that he promises. The true light delivers on the very thing it promises. Every word of God is true. He, he is the word. He is the light. And as he is revealing the word, it's going to be true. And you're like, man, that means that those passages on suffering are going to be true too. Yes, but also those passages that tell you He will be with you, that this will not last forever, and one day there's coming when there will be no more pain and suffering, and will be forever with Him. He is the truth. Satan is a liar. He was a liar from the beginning. He was a liar, and his aim is death. And while his aim is death as this angel of light, the light of the world, his aim is life. And life eternal. Jesus, the light of the world, is not just true light. He's pure light. It is without mixing of anything else. He is completely, 100% true. True to who He is. True in everything He says. This, this pure light, this holy light, brings healing. It brings comfort. It brings help. And as I look across here, I know many of you in this past year have gone through so many things. And His Word has been a comfort to you. His Word has been a a reminder of His peace. A reminder of His presence. Friend, that is the Father of light. The light of the world. 
He is the light for mankind. He not only is the light revealing Himself, but He reveals the heart of man. And in the heart and mind of man and the lives of man is where darkness dwells. Right? And each of us fight that battle. It's, it, it is a desperate need. It is a deep darkness. I don't know about you, but have you ever considered how dark it was before electricity? Have you ever thought about how dark it was in the world before you could flip a switch and blind us all with light? Have you ever thought about what it was like before kerosene? Before these huge amounts of kerosene and all they had was like whale oil and the different nut oils and all those things that they would, they would burn around the world as light. You went to bed early, earlier, right? You were limited on your light. It was dark. I, li- I grew up in Kansas and you know it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. So there's not a lot of light, but there's enough that even in Kansas... There are towns and cities, and the light pollution you get from that limits what you can really see. So there's still light there. There's, there's very few places in, the, in our region that you could go and you wouldn't, you wouldn't experience light around you. We just don't know what it's like. But then you go somewhere like the wilderness of Canada, and you wake up in the middle of the night, and the only light you have is maybe your fire... And if you then turn on your lantern, but, but without the, your, you know, your headlamp, it's dark. It is dark. And that little trail that you take back to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night is really dark. And those woods beyond are super dark. Especially when you hear rustling in the woods. And you're like, what, what, what is that? And nobody knows that you're out of the tent. They're still sleeping. If that bear ate you, it would be a long time before anybody knew, like, oh, he's not just, you know, over by the fire or on the other. It's dark. It was so dark that people would put, put bells on their horses or if they were walking at night so that they, people would know that I'm here, right? It was dark. That kind of deep darkness is kind of the picture we get as described in Isaiah and, and, and as the Zechariah prophesied. It was a deep darkness with no light to be seen. Nothing. In fact, the need for the light of the world was made evident in this deep darkness. In fact, the, deep, the need for the light is evident in mankind's deep darkness. See, in d- darkness in Scripture is not about real, just, you know, a lamp or not a lamp. Darkness in Scripture commonly denotes ignorance, Guilt or misery, right? And some of you are like, man, that describes me on an average Monday, right? Just, ah, here we go again. Ignorance, guilt, and misery. And in John 8, 12, it speaks of this, of the wickedness and ignorance of of mankind. Again, John 8, 12 says, by the end of the day, you should have John 8, 12 down, okay? It says, the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the, the light. I'm sorry, that's John 1, 5. John 8, 12 says, Jesus says, I, Jesus says, I am the light. It would be good if I knew it by the end of the morning. <laughs> I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Giving the idea that darkness is present, right? 
darkness is what we exist in, the only way to not walk in darkness is to follow the light. John 1.5 says, The light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So we see not only the existence of light and darkness, we see the persistence of that darkness. It didn't just disappear. Jesus' birth was described as, as a dawn, as a sunrise, and, and the darkness did not overcome it. We even sang about that. It can't control it. It can't contain it. Yet, darkness does persist. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Darkness persists. We see the existence and persistence all around us. The light shines in it, and while it doesn't overcome it, it doesn't disappear. And to this day, we need the revealing light of the Word of God, of God Himself, to reveal our hearts. Jesus is the revealing of God in human flesh. He's where, where the divine meets humanity in a recognizable form. And isn't that what light does? Light helps us discern, to see something. And what Jesus did when He came was He made it possible for us to see the divine. But He did so in human flesh. He was both God and man. Fully God, fully man. And so He put flesh on that we might see what does God look like. But we were limited in that, even in that, right? And so we have been given the Word of God and the Spirit of God to help us see and perceive. He made spiritual light perceivable to human eyes. Yet even when, we, when, when the people in His day were brought face to face with Jesus Christ in the flesh, what do we read that they did? And His own received Him not. They rejected. They didn't like what they saw. And now we get to the part of the program where we may not like what we see. Because when we come face to face with the purity and the holiness and the truthfulness of who Jesus Christ is, we begin to see the darkness and the depth of darkness in our own hearts. And that's not just before we know Christ. That's even the struggle as we move on in this world, is it not? In John 3.19, Jesus said, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. We see what we want to see. And apart from the external light of Christ. For that, in other words, when I say external, it, it becomes internal, but it comes from the outside. It's not something we look inside of ourselves to find the light. You hear someone start talking like that, run. Run fast. Because you do not contain the light on your own. The only true light is light from the outside. If you're trying to find yourself, look at it in the pages of Scripture and it will reveal the truth about you. There's many things out there that purport to be light. I've seen many a book that talks about light, inner light, finding the light. And let me tell you, I don't even want to touch those books. They, because they are of the deceiver. Satan himself wants you to think, yes, you have what it takes. It's all in you, Eve. Doesn't it sound familiar? Like, you've, you've got the knowledge now. You got it, girl. You got it, guy. And it's a lie. 
Because the truth of the Word of God is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that each one, on their own, has gone astray. And so we desperately need not only to see see Jesus Christ in His beauty, but we need to see ourselves for what we really are. And that's not a bad thing. This illustration has been used, you might say overused, but you don't go to a doctor just to hear him say nice things about you. What would be the point of that? Get yourself a friend if you want that, right? They'll tell you lies, sweet little lies, right? Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, you're so amazing. Oh, I don't mean lies, just nice things about you, encouraging things. (laughs) But at a doctor, you want them to speak the truth to you. Because without the truth of that, of that prognosis, there can be no positive prescription. You need the medicine that's desperately, you have a desperate need for the medicine that will cure your disease. And Jesus wants you to see that you have a disease, the disease of indwelling sin. The problem is we're walking around, many of us, and we don't even know that we're dead. In a movie that many of you may have enjoyed a number of years ago, The Sixth Sense, a child, Cole Sears, is tormented by something that, that a child psychologist, Malcolm Crow, is trying to figure out. So Cole is struggling, and, and, and it's just evident. The unforeseen twist in the movie, though, comes towards the end, and if you've not watched it, I'm about to ruin the movie for you. Right? But you come to this point, and it's a very tense scene, and Cole is lying there in a bed, right? And his face is pale white, you know, they really accent that, and, and the, the, the psychologist Malcolm is, just so in case you don't know, Malcolm is played by Bruce Willis, the star of another Christmas movie, right, uh, Die Hard. Um, and, and so they're sitting there, and Malcolm is listening intently, Cole is lying on the bed, And he says, I want to tell you something. Yeah. And Cole says, I see dead people. Malcolm says, in your dreams? Cole shakes his head, no. And Malcolm says, while you're awake. And Cole nods his head and he said, Malcolm responds with, dead people like in graves, in coffins? Cole says, walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're dead. And Malcolm says, how often do you see them? And Cole says, all the time. They're everywhere. Friends, so it is with those who are dead in sin. All the time. Everywhere. And they don't even know it. In fact, many believe they are living life to the fullest. They couldn't get more. I mean, look around. We got the house, we got the cars, we got the experiences, we got the vacations, we got the, the, the beautiful kids. Look at our social media, right? We got it all. They don't realize that they're dead. And they become offended when you mention to them that that is a possibility. They don't realize that you had to come to grips with that reality too. I was once dead in my trespasses and sin. I was a walking dead man. But Ephesians 2 tells me that in His mercy and grace, Jesus Christ has saved me through no merit of my own. 
is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the light of the world, that I was able to see what I am and see Him for who He is and have by faith trusted in Him. And I, it tells me there that I am, it is so, so sure that I am seated with Christ in heaven. It's as though I'm there already. Friend, that's the reality. That's what the light of the world helps you see. Sadly, the world is largely blind to the beauty of Christ. Sin always blinds the mind to the true beauty and excellency of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. It causes mankind to look instead at the passing beauty, at the stuff around us, at just what we can see, which you could argue is artificial and passing. And we become wholly devoted to our pursuit of our worship, if you will, of its pleasures, no matter how foolish, how temporary, or how deadly those pursuits are. Just recently, this past week, I saw that the world has begun to call it what it is, the religion of sports. Have you seen those advertisements? The religion of sports. It's literally an ad run, the religion of sport. We we have made it that. But before you, as a non-athlete or sport person, begin to point fingers, what haven't we made a religion out of? Whether it's, it's crafting or buying stuff or just possessions in general, our families, all these things. We have made so much out of what is passing. In the end... Chuck Swindoll says, In the end, darkness was not able to suppress the light by placing it in a tomb. But this verse and the verses that follow seem to stress the deficiency of the darkness, its unwillingness to believe and therefore its inability to comprehend. As the story of Jesus unfolds in the Gospel of John, John shows that truth is nonsense to a mind darkened by sin. Man, and it's not only true at times, it's not only true for the, the one who hasn't come to Christ. At times it's true in us. We buy into the nonsense. We buy into the lies. We, we're tricked, if you will, we are tricked by our own desires at these little trinkets of the world, right? As John Bunyan described them in Pilgrim's Progress, they're just trinkets. They're just little, little, Stuff you buy at a fair, right? Those cheap things that you buy that aren't even worth anything by the time you get them home. They're broken. That's this world. People rejected the light of Jesus Christ because they loved what they knew. And, and there's one thing that mankind knows well, and that is their love for evil. We love evil. Because evil is something or someone other than, than really us. We don't even know we love evil. We're always looking and saying, well, Adolf Hitler, he's evil. This drugs, they're evil, right? We always look out there at the far, far reaches and say, that's what's evil. Jeffrey Dahmer, he's evil. Or, ah, that other political party, that's evil, right? If we, if someone other than us, Someone says, you've got an issue with evil. Us? Are you? I I clean up pretty well. Right? We live in Hamilton County. There's not evil around us. Oh. 
everywhere. Many respond to the light. When we shine the truth on what's in our hearts and in our minds, we respond like vampires to the sun. We respond like someone wakes you up out of a deep sleep by turning the lights on full. And it's, ah, why'd you do that? Even when, consider this, even when at the season of the year we celebrate the coming of the light of the world by plastering lights all over the place, running Christmas specials, and yet, what do we do? It's fine with the baby in the manger. That's cool. You know, we're, t- we're fine with baby Jesus. But the cross? What does that have to do with it? Keep that out of it. Me a sinner? Why, why do you have to have me come at Christmas and tell me I'm a sinner? Because it's a package deal. The Savior of the world, what's He coming for? If it's not for sinners. And the light of the world came to be the light and to let it us see Him for who He is and us for who we are and to respond to Him in faith. The call of Proverbs one twenty two is still, still relevant. It says, How long, O simple, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? The call to us, as we see in 1 John 1, is to walk in the light as He is in the light, that we might have fellowship with Him and with one another. And to not have fellowship with the darkness. And that call is the call for each of us today, and it is a life-changing call. When you respond in faith to the light, believing Jesus Christ is who He says it is, He is, that is a transformative moment in your life. You see, the effects of the light are transformative for all followers of Christ. John twelve forty six, a verse we've not looked at yet today, it says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That's, that's a transformative event. For you to be removed from darkness to light when you were dead in your trespasses and sin, that's a huge gift. The greatest gift that we have received is Jesus Christ. The greatest gift you can give, I would argue, is exposure to the light. That you can turn, in turn, Jesus said that He is the light of the world, but He also said that we are the light of the world. How are we the light of the world? In, as we carry out and reflect the light of Jesus Christ to others, exposing ourselves, our families, our friends, and all the world to the light of Christ through the Word of God. And you can't just do it by being a good person. In case you haven't missed it, there are people in this world who are actually nicer, better people than you. There are happy, very well-adjusted, nice pagans who may be way nicer than you. So if you think you can just live your life and somehow people are magically going to come to Jesus, that isn't going to happen. They need to be exposed to the light of Jesus Christ through the Word of God. And back in John 1, that's exactly what he says. He was the Word that became flesh, and the Word was the light, and the light was life. Friends, in order for our friends to have the life that comes from the light of the world, they need heavy-duty light exposure. Because the light gives understanding. John 1, 9 again says, The true light 
which gives light to everyone who's coming into the world. That's about understanding. It's only through Jesus, through his light, that we can have understanding. The psalmist, a hundred years prior to John writing, described God's word and its effects, and he said this in Psalm 119, 130. It's a lot of verses. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So when you ask the question, how long will you remain simple? As long as you reject the light. But how will they believe unless someone preach? Romans says, friends, we must be not only light carriers, but light proclaimers. Because the light gives understanding. See, the light is the only way to escape the darkness because the light gives life. John 1.4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Just as the sun gives light to our world and gives life to the earth, so too the Son of God, who is the supernatural light of the world, gives life. Any life that exists in the spiritual realm, true life, comes through Christ. Ephesians 2, as we mentioned earlier, tells us that each of us follow the natural course of this world. When we're born, we go the natural way, and that is the way of death. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. But God makes individuals alive together in Christ. You know what's great about living people? Spiritually alive people is they now have something we call sight. They can see the truth. They can see the reality of Jesus Christ because the light gives sight. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 13 says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. The work of the word of God in the heart of man is to reveal again, and I've said it so many times, but I don't want us to miss it. It is a ministry of remembrance, right? It is not only to see Jesus for who he is, but is to see myself for who I am. So that I can get the very thing that I most desperately need, which is Jesus Christ. Christ in me, my hope of glory. The light brings knowledge of truth of both who God is and our greatest need. We're made aware of our need and given the healing prescription for this desperate prognosis. The light of the world brings both life and growth. So you may say that, yes, I have seen the light. I've come to Christ in faith. That's wonderful. Praise God that you have life. But there's something that's true of everything that's living. It's growing. You see, and that's one more thing, is that the the light of the world saves and sanctifies. It doesn't just save you and say, ooh, I'm good. I can, I can, you know, stay away till Easter now. I got what I need. I'm saved. Praise the Lord. No, it's not about you just being saved. It's about you enjoying the thing that you are saved to. And the thing you're saved to is not just about living a long time eternally. It's about who you're being saved to. And I made this in my point in my last sermon. You're going to think I'm a one-trick pony. But that's okay. If I'm going to be a one-trick pony, this is it. We're not saved that we might have something for us other than Jesus. We are saved that we might have Him. And if that does not sound attractive to you, then you have not seen the light. You have not seen Jesus Christ in all of His beauty, His glory, His holiness, His purity, His love, His kindness, His tenderheartedness. You have not seen Him if you don't want Him. 
And let me tell you, if you don't want him, I argue you're not saved. And you say, wait a minute, I prayed a prayer. Yeah, but what did you pray? What was it that you thought you were getting? He is eternal life, he he says in John. He is eternal life. So friend, I want what I want. If you say, "I, I don't think I want, then expose yourself to the word of God. Expose yourself to the light. Because those who receive him, he gives the, the right to be called sons and daughters of God. That's what you get in salvation. You get to be part of his family. You belong with him forever. And that is the greatest joy. So it saves, absolutely, but it also sanctifies. You'll no longer walk in darkness. Those who, who follow him will not walk in darkness, but rather they will have light. They will have life, they will have the truth, and they will have sight. So let's say that you have come to Christ recently, or maybe you, you've, you, you're struggling through it, like many of us do. This is where the rubber meets the road, right? And you struggle with that indwelling darkness, if you will, the struggles that all of us have. And you say, man, I, I don't know what to do. I can't fix it for you. And there's not a person here that can fix it for you. We can't bring you down front and just pray for you and it's all fixed. Because we're told to follow Him, to follow Christ, to walk in the light as He is in the light. And we will have fellowship with Him. And the benefits of that fellowship are His purifying work in our life, ongoing. I hit the big five-five this year and some of you are like, yeah, that's cute. Others of you are like, that's old. But nonetheless, I'm fi- I've been on this earth 55 years. And I can't tell you how much I continue to battle the thoughts and the desires and all that garbage that we just continue to fight as long as we live in this life. And friend, what I can tell you, what I can tell you is this, that you desperately need to walk in the light. You've got to be exposed to the light. Dwell with others who are walking in the light. Because the plant that is left in utter darkness will shrivel and die. And so if you've you've sort of removed yourself, I encourage you, come back in. Walk in the light. Come back to the light. So how should we respond? We should receive it by faith. We should receive the light by faith. The prophets of God of old had been rejected time and time and time again. That was a common theme in the book of John, in the book of Acts, is you guys, you rejected the prophets. You're a bunch of prophet rejectors. And what did the prophets give? They gave, they gave the message of God to the people. And they were just being rejected time and time again. To refuse to believe in Jesus is to do the same thing. You're refusing Him and all that He is. If you think, well, I, Jesus is a good example. I imitate Jesus. I just want to, I want to, I want to follow Him in that way. Or if you study Him as a great teacher, you're not receiving Him in that. That's not, that's not what it means to receive Jesus Christ. Instead, to receive him says you see him for what he is and you want him for what he is and all that he will do. All that he reveals about God. By faith, we're to receive him, to believe what he's revealed about himself through the written word of God. So receive it. 
Have you received Jesus Christ as Savior? Have you heard through His Word, through the preaching of His Word, through the teaching of His Word, who He is and why you need Him? Have you received Him, believed on Him for salvation? That's believing. But it's not just about salvation. Do you believe Him for all of life and all of godliness? We're also not only to receive it, we're to walk in it. We're to walk in the light. To receive Christ is not just to initially believe, but to continue to walk by faith. Again, maximize your light exposure. You'll not get sunburned, right? You need the light. You need as much light exposure as we can possibly get because as we walk in this world of darkness, and some of you work in dark places, you work, you, your mind goes to dark places, you are around people who, who enjoy delighting in dark things, maybe you go to school in a dark place, Man, if you're in the midst of that, you desperately need the light. Surround yourself with people who are lovers of the Word of God, who will be speak the truth to you, people who are encouraging you to love the Word of God and to walk in the Word of God. Walk in it. Friends, there's ways that, that many of us can take advantage. And, and one of the most common things I hear, even believers who've been saved for 70 years will say, you know, I, I just really struggle in my time in the Word. And I'm sure many of you can say, yeah, don't quit, don't stop, don't give up. That'd be like me missing a meal today and say, well, I missed a meal, I guess I'm struggling with eating. I guess I'm just done with the whole eating thing, Right? That'd be stupid. Well, I mean, I think, right? I wouldn't live very long if I continued down it. And friends, if you don't expose yourself to the Word of God, and let me tell you, there's, there are tools right outside this door that you can sign up that will help you jumpstart that time in the Word. Devotionals and Bibles that you can go out and sign up and someone will actually hand it to you for free and encourage you to walk in it. Better yet, don't just take one of those. Get a friend, get a family member... And say, I tell you what, let's do this together. Let's do this in community. Let's encourage one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Go get, two of you, go pick the same one and get together and talk through what God, what God's doing in your heart as what He's revealing through His Word, aka, where's the light shining? Right? Talk about, it doesn't have to be fancy. You don't need a doctoral degree. I don't have one. You don't need a master's. You don't need a Bible degree. You need the Bible and the Word of God and the fellowship of the saints to encourage you in that. Right? Can the others help? Sure, they can. They can also not be so great. But, but get a friend and go through it together. If you're not in a small group, if you're not in, in one of the adult Bible fellowships or a small group, I want to tell you, you're missing out. You really need the community that comes with God's people. You need that. So if you're not engaged in that somewhere, I want to tell you today would be a good day to get started. Ray Vartanian, right down front here is, is our elder over small groups. He would love to meet with you, love to talk to you. Or you can just email the church office at email at harborshores.org. And this isn't an advertisement because we don't get anything out of it. You know what? You know what? who does? You. And you know who else does? The other members of the body that you engage with in order to walk in the light together. So we've got devotionals, small groups, there are Bible studies, there's men's groups, there's women's groups. If you don't want to get plugged in, there's plenty of opportunities. This morning, though, 
Maybe you're just in a really dark place. These are dark days we live in. Amen? And maybe you're in a really dark place this morning and you're struggling to see because of maybe the world at large, physical things you're going through, spiritual battles you're going through, stuff in your family. It may just be unbelievably dark. Friends, I want to encourage you today, go to someone. Don't walk in darkness alone. It's a deadly place to be. Get someone else who's committed to walking in the light and to be the light bearer in the darkness, to hold the, to hold the flashlight and say, see, you, I can't see down there, but I can see the next step with you. And I want to encourage you to take that next step, to walk in the light as he is in the light. Get a friend around you who loves you enough, who will walk through the darkness with you. And some of you are walking through some really deep, dark places that other people here don't even know about. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. But finally, don't just receive it. Don't just walk in the light. But I want to encourage you this morning to glory in the light. Because in the end, it all, be, it all comes to worship. You see? To glory in something means to feel and to, and, to, and to show great joy or pleasure because of something, or in this case, someone. What does it mean when the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Simply put, it means that we behold, as we behold Jesus Christ, we see God and all of His wonder and glory. We see Jesus, and in the face of Jesus, we behold the glory of God. And what is the proper response to an amazing sunrise? To a glorious sunset? The beauty of that light causes us to take a picture, post it on the internet, send it to our family. We glory in it. We take joy in it, but joy that's enjoyed alone is like half as good. Joy that is enjoyed with others, that's why people take pictures of food. It's not because, oh, I got the best meal ever. It's they're enjoying it and they want to share it with somebody else. It's a way to not be alone in our joy. To say, this is bigger than me. That sunset, somebody else got to see it. You're missing out. Do I need to even make application? Friend, you're missing out. You haven't seen the sun. You don't know Him. You haven't seen the wonder and the glory of my merciful Savior. I want you to see Him in all of His glory. One day, one day perhaps sooner than we think, a new heaven and a new earth where we will not have need of light or of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them. We find in Revelation 22.5. Evil will be gone, and all of creation will again reflect the one in whom there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1.5. And this is our hope, because these words are faithful and true. We read in Revelation 22.6. Folks, that's our hope. 
We live in the light. We walk in the light with the darkness around us that won't overcome us because the light is worth following because the light in and of itself is glorious and beautiful and life-giving. And we do so because we know in the end the darkness will be gone. And we can delight in Him forevermore. We look forward to that day. And until that day, Jesus has commanded us to remember Him and to remember His death. And we do so specifically through this ordinance we call communion, right? It's the regular observance of communion. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11.25, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So this morning... We're going to remember Christ's death when he came and and lived among us, revealing the light of, of God to us, dying on the cross for us. And now he's gone to heaven. And one day, and this is the second advent, he's coming again. And we look, we can look forward to that because of the light that came the first time. Right? And so we're looking for that full sunrise. We're looking for full day sun. Right now we've had the sunrise, the light's growing brighter because it's, he's, one day he's coming back, but one day it'll be all him when it's all over. So this morning the music's going to play and, and we'll have the elements available on these two tables down front and on a table right there in the back. If you're a believer, we invite you to participate with us. You can pick up the elements and the elements are stacked. So there's a cup with the bread and a cup with the juice, one on top of the other. Pick up that stack when you go to the table and just come at your leisure um, and pick those up. In a few moments, I'll lead us through the taking of the communion elements. And in that time, what do you do while you're sitting there? Well, here's a couple ideas. One is confess. Confess. Just before the Lord, say, Lord, I see myself as I am. And Lord, I want, I want to walk in the light. As you're in the light, I want to fellowship with you. Lord, here's some ways in which I just confess this is sin against you. Remember. Remember the Lord's death. Remember the Lord's love. Remember the Lord's mercy that was shown on us through his death. And then give thanks. So after I pray, we'll encourage you to come and to receive the elements. Let's pray. Father of light, Lord, you are the God of all who is good. Help us this morning in these elements to see your good purposes and your loving plans. May we see in the bread and the juice the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we might have forgiveness in life. May we see your love which went the distance for us in the giving of your Son. And Lord, stir our hearts in response in love for you. Lord, I pray that we would grow in anticipation of your return. For, Lord, we do love you, even though we are often distracted. May this time this morning help get us back focused on the one who is worthy of our love and our adoration and our glory. And, Lord, as we think of how these elements, the bread and the juice, can nourish our bodies, so may the indwelling spirit invigorate our hearts and souls until that day when we will hunger and thirst no more in the presence of our beloved Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may come.